Are you all doing well this morning? Come on, give it up for our worship team. They're doing a great job, aren't they? All right. And I'm glad you guys are still standing, because you know we're about to open up the Word of God. Do you guys get excited for the Word or nervous for the Word? All right now. You should be nervous today. Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse 28. So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, they led their armies against ramath Halid or Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, As we go into battle, I'll disguise myself so that no one will recognize me. But you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to the chariots and the commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. So just attack the king, the one that was disguised. So then the Aramean chariot commander saw Jehoshaphat and his royal robes. They went after him. There's the king of Israel. They shouted. But Jehoshaphat called out, notice, and the Lord saved him. God helped him by turning the attackers away from him. Now I want to just pause right there, but I want to ask you guys this question. How many of you need some help in one or two areas of your life right now? Notice that the Bible says, and God turned the attack away. Wouldn't it be amazing to know that God has the power to turn things around in your life? The Bible says God helped him by turning the attackers away from him. So the word of God says, as soon as the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, they stopped chasing him. An Arimian soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and it hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Turn the horses and get me out of here, he said, Ahab, as he groaned to the driver in the chariots. I'm badly wounded. And lastly, the battle raged all day and the king of Israel propped himself up in the chariot facing the Arminians and noticed in the evening just as the sun was setting, he died. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help us to really get it and apply it to our lives. And I pray that you will use me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I want to speak to you this morning on an interesting subject that we can all relate to and we're all living right now. The title of today's message is The Battle, The Battle, say it with me, The Battle of My Consequences. How many of you are suffering some consequences from your choices? Come on. All right. All the younger people don't get that, but all my older folks know that there are choices you made back in who knows when that even today you're still feeling. So let me ask you one more time. How many of you have some consequences you know are a result of your choices? Because I want to speak to you about the battles our consequences bring. See, a consequence is defined as a result of an action. A result of an action. And all actions are made by choice. So in other words, consequences are a result of the actions that I chose. So every choice that I make has an action. Therefore, every action has a result. So every choice that I make has an action, and every action has therefore a consequence. Now if those actions are good, the consequences, the results will be good in my favor. But if the choices and and the actions that I make are bad, then therefore the results and the consequences will be bad. So understand that every choice you make, some of them may never affect you. 
You know, you make a choice, you get up in the morning, what am I going to eat for breakfast? That's not a life or death situation. Maybe for some of you it is. But, or what am I going to wear? Someone woke up today, I'm dying, I have a real choice to make. What am I going to wear for church today? It's not the end of the world. I'm talking about those choices that will affect the rest of your life. And even the people around you. All of us every day have a choice to make. And within every action and every choice, there's God's way. And if you choose not to do it God's way, the results will be bad. And God allows the bad in your life to get you to realize your action, hoping to turn things around. Understand that God does not punish you. All of our sins have been punished on Jesus. Can we at least give God praise for that? Jesus on the cross took our punishment. But understand that just because God does not punish us anymore, God does allow consequence. Because consequences are put by God to teach us and get us back on the right direction. What kind of loving God would not allow consequences if consequences is actually in our favor because it's what gets us to realize the mistakes of our action and the choices we've made and causes us to turn back and do it the right way. So if you're suffering consequences today, it's not because God is mad at you, God hates you, and He wants you to suffer. If you're suffering consequences today, it's because God in His love and mercy is trying to teach you and discipline you to get you back to where you need to be. So we thank God for consequences. But I don't like consequences. But understand that your choices have a consequence. Just this morning, you know, Frankie and Danny just got this new dog. His name's Jacob. And Jacob, he might look cute. Yeah, there he is. Don't let that fool you. Listen, this dog is straight up crazy. He's trouble, he's chaotic. You can tell in that face, that's not normal. That dog is hyperactive. And sadly, sometimes I have to watch him and take care of him. And this morning, as Danny was putting him in my brother's room, and Danny's like telling me, say bye to your nephew, whatever. You know, he's so in love with this dog. I, I heard Jacob crying and howling, but I ignored it. Me and my cat were like, whatever, like just let him be. And then I left the room, and as I sat down in the living room with my mom, my mom hears the cry, and she tells me, that's not a normal cry. And I'm thinking, what does that even mean? And my mom says, I know Jacob. And I know my grandson. And I know that's a cry of distress. And sure enough, she goes, go check on him. So I'm like, oh, whatever, fine. And as I go to my brother's room, Jacob made the choice to climb up to my brother's bookshelf, the very top. And now that he made that choice because Jacob thought it was a good idea, now he realized, I'm in a situation I got myself in, but now I don't know how to get myself out. Can you relate to that? You got yourself in it, but now you're saying, how am I going to get out of it? And Judah, my beautiful cat, he's looking at Jacob in the room like, saying, go ahead, jump. Please jump. And sure enough, I had to grab Jacob and put him back down. Now, here's the reason I tell you this story. Because that is an exact example of how we live our lives. Some of the worst choices you've made at one point you thought was a good idea. Some of the worst people you dated at one point you thought were the one. Some of the decisions you've made at one time in your life you actually thought it was a good idea that wouldn't harm you. 
So there are some situations like Jacob in your life you got yourself into and now you're in a place that you're saying, I don't know how to get out. And Jacob just cried. And that cry led to compassion. Because as I got to that room, I didn't have a lecture with him and say, what did you learn? I didn't spank him. I didn't discipline. I didn't even do any of that. I just reached out and got him and put him back where he was supposed to be. Because that is a picture of what God does. God says, I am a God of compassion. So if you're hurting right now, if you're suffering right now because of your poor choices, God is not looking at you saying, I hope you suffer. I hope you learn. I hope you deserve this. God in his compassion sees you in your suffering and has a desire to reach out and grab you and put you back where you belong. That's what God is. God is a God of compassion. Because all of us can relate to this dog. We have all made choices that has gotten into situations that now we don't know how to get out of it. What a picture of what King Jehoshaphat is going through. King Jehoshaphat was a faithful man to God. He was obedient. He made right choices. And as a result, God blessed him. Because when you make a decision to be obedient to God and do it His way, because every area of your life is an area God, in His Word, has a rule for. And if you choose to do it under God's law, God's rule, the consequence is blessing, favor, safety. But if you choose not to, Jehoshaphat lived this life obedient to God. But now we find Jehoshaphat in a battle, struggling. Enemies are chasing him. He's afraid for his life. And as he's in this battle, I read it and I say, wow, that's great that Jehoshaphat cried out to God and God in his compassion saved him. That's great. But then it came to my spirit and I, said, and I realized this is a word that God had for our church this morning because as I read this last week, one question just penetrated my mind. Why is Jehoshaphat in this battle in the first place. And why is he asking God for help in an area he shouldn't be asking God for help in? And I realize, like, like Jehoshaphat, if you're not careful with your choices, you can bring on yourself battles and struggles God never wanted you to struggle with. You can bring yourself battles God never wanted you to battle with. You can bring yourself pain that God never wanted you to feel. And what a powerful lesson. Because maybe today you're asking God for help in an area of your life you shouldn't even be asking Him for help in. Because Jehoshaphat was in this battle all because of disobedience and rebellion. Because God never wanted him to go into battle in the first place. So I wonder how many of us are in battles in our lives we shouldn't even be in. I'm going to get a witness today. It's kind of quiet in here. Because it's easy to say in the battle of your life, the struggle that you're in, we think that all battles are the devil. But I'm going to give the devil a break today and a day off. Because I'm convinced after reading this, not all struggles and not all battles are the devil. In fact, some of the battles you're in right now and struggles that you're going through are only a result of your choices. It's just easier to blame. So I ask you again, what battle in your life do you have right now 
that you shouldn't even be in. Why is this so important? Because Galatians 6 verse 7 teaches us not to be deceived. God cannot be mocked. That word mocked literally translates in the Greek to stick your nose up to God. And when you stick your nose up, it's a symbol of I don't care, I do what I want. Isn't that the culture that we're living in right now? I'm going to do what I want because it feels right. I'm going to say what I want, live how I want, and I don't care. You are deceived. Because the Bible says you cannot stick your nose up to God and suffer no consequence. God cannot be mocked. And here's a powerful principle and law. A man reaps what he sows. This is the law of consequence. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that very nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please his spirit from that spirit will reap eternal life. Notice the Bible says not to become weary in doing good for in the proper time we will reap a harvest. One way or another a harvest is going to come but it can be a harvest of destruction or a harvest of blessing. It's all a result of your choices. This is the law of consequence. If I put in good in my life and I put in towards my spirit and I invest in my spiritual life and if I'm obedient to God and I do it God's way and I don't compromise and I don't look left or right but look ahead and I just continue to honor God in my choices you will see the harvest of blessing but if I live my life only to please myself please my flesh please my sin whatever feels right I do it and I ignore the things of God I will reap destruction this is why I'm convinced so many people are living destructive lives because the only reason their life is destructive in the first place is because of the choices we make it's that simple the Bible says whoever lives to please the flesh will reap destruction see God is not a God that says I'm going to allow destruction because you made one bad decision the Bible uses the word live as a lifestyle so let me ask you this morning how are you living? is your life always about your flesh? what feels good? What do I want? If it feels right, I'll do it. Or is your life about pleasing God? Pleasing your spirit? Doing things you know will not affect the Holy Spirit living inside you. Is your life about honoring God in what you watch, what you listen to, how you treat others? Or is your life all about you? There's only two paths. The flesh or the spirit. There's no in-between. Well, I'm a mixture of both spirit and flesh. I'm a little fleshly spirit. That is not biblical. You're either one or the other. I hate to break it to you. But the Bible says if you live, because we all make mistakes, we all make bad choices, but when your life is all about living in bad choices, you will see ultimately the destruction this is why God says do not become weary in doing good. Because oftentimes when you're living for the Spirit of God and you're living to honor God in your choices, you're not always going to see it come to life right away. Amen. That's how if you're living for your flesh and you're living for your sinful nature and you're living for this world and worldliness. You're not always going to see the destruction right away. It could be weeks, months, even years until you see the destruction come out. So don't think because you're here today living in sin and nothing has happened that you've gotten away with it. Because again, I tell you, according to the word of God, God cannot be mocked. Your time is coming. But the only reason it hasn't happened is because God has given you the opportunity of repentance. 
Oh, I got away with it. And you stick your nose up to God. How are you living? God used an analogy of planting and farming for this. Because no one accidentally plants and farms. It's a choice. People say, well, I wasn't thinking. Yes, you were. You were just thinking of your flesh when you did it. You think it, you plant it. Farmers think about what they're going to plant. They don't just open up a bag and spread it in the ground and say, let's see what happens. There's a strategy. You think about it. You plan it. And you go into action. Think, plan, and act can either go towards your spirit or your flesh. Every sin that you're living in right now has been thought about. You planned it. And maybe now you're living in action with it. God says you're going to reap what you've sown. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time because every choice you make has a result. Again, I ask you, what are you living for? You live for your flesh. Destruction will come. That's why it's called the law of consequence. You can't avoid it. You can't escape it. It's a natural rule of God. Just like we have the law of gravity. What comes up must come down. Why? It's the rule. And does, just like there's physical laws in this earth, there are spiritual laws right here. God has a rule of how you are to live your life. God has a rule for marriage, singleness, raising children, money, health, everything in your life God has a rule for. There's no escaping it. There's no avoiding it. There's no mocking God away from it. You will. The Bible doesn't say you might. No, it says you will reap what you sow. There's so many people in the Bible that were in battles they should never have been because of their choices. I thought about Solomon. See, Solomon is in a battle he shouldn't even have been. Solomon was a man who loved God. The Bible says that Solomon would make offerings and sacrifices by the thousands. It was so much that the Bible says the altar was tipping over with how much he was giving God. Why? Because Solomon was passionate about God. Solomon had such a devotion to God. But you read later on that Solomon is no longer serving God. Solomon is no longer worshiping God. Solomon is no longer giving offerings to, the, to God. Why? Because his heart was turned. It's like saying that you were on fire for God. You went to church every Sunday. You read your Bible. You had your quiet time. You loved worship music. God, the things of God excited you. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's a struggle for you to come to church. It's a struggle for you to open the Bible. It's a struggle for you to do anything related to God anymore. How does that happen? The same way it happened to Solomon. Solomon is battling for his devotion to God. And he's in a battle he shouldn't even have been. But in 1 Kings 3, 1, everyone says, well, Solomon, he strayed from God because obviously he had a thousand pagan wives. True. But here's the scary part. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and married... What's the next word? And married, say it with me, one, married, one, say it with me, one 
Say it loud. One. Look at your neighbor and say one. Not a thousand. Why? Because Solomon didn't wake up and say, I feel like marrying a thousand women today. It was one. One choice. One alliance. One disobedience. One pagan woman. One. One compromise. Chapter 11, verse 4. Solomon's old age. Notice the time. Did it happen right away? No. When Solomon was old, it went from one to they. They turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord. You realize that Solomon's destruction was a result of one choice. Because one choice is all it takes to destroy your life. One compromise. One time, I'm just going to do it once. I'm just going to allow it once. And it outgrew his devotion to God. So now Solomon is battling for his devotion to God again. Should Solomon have even been in that battle? No. I thought about the prodigal son. He's in a financial battle. He should never have been. The Bible says he lost everything and he was in need. And you think about how did this all happen? It's all because he was impatient, wanted it now, and misspent everything God had given him, the Father. Some people aren't in a financial battle. They shouldn't be in. You're in debt you shouldn't be in. And you're asking God to help you in areas you shouldn't be asking Him to help you in. Because the Bible calls us to be free from the lender. But I wanted it now and I needed it now. So we have destruction now in our finances because we did not obey the rule of God in finances. If you don't have the money, don't spend the money you don't have. David is in a battle now with his family. Literally, his son battled with him and tried to kill him. And today we have so many families that are divided and destroy each other. Why? Because David made one choice. The minute Absalom wanted to kill his brother for raping his sister, David ignored it. David did not act like a father. He did not step up and discipline his son. He allowed it because today we have parents allowing their children to do whatever they want because we don't want to step up and give them the consequences. And it's no matter that when they grow up, they're reaping what you've sown to them as a parent. And David made one choice. I thought about the crippled man for 38 years lying in a bed begging for mercy, begging for change, trying. And when Jesus healed him, Jesus healed him, it was wonderful. But Jesus looked at him and said, go and sin no more. So we realize that the reason this man was in bondage for 38 years, we don't know why, but we know it was one sin. One choice. And he's in a battle he should not have been in. Think about Samson. He's praying for God to come back one more time. He's asking God to break these chains. But here's the real question. Should Samson have even been in the chains in the first place? But it was one compromise that led to another and another. Because of one bad relationship. He's in bondage. So many of us, like all these people in the Bible, we're in battles we should not even be in. Asking God for areas of help we shouldn't even be asking help in. Because of our choices. And now we're in the battle with our consequence. You guys okay? God says, don't be deceived. 
Let me give you some choices that will affect your life forever. And I don't want you to be deceived. Can I tell you? You look like someone died in here or something. Number one, understand that there are consequences to your relationships. Who you choose to have a relationship with will have an effect of your life forever. I'm not just limiting this to who you choose to marry or who you choose to date, but who you even choose to call a friend. This is an area of life that we just bat an eye and we ignore. We think, oh, I just allow him in my life and I'll have a relationship with him. If it doesn't work out, we'll just separate. It doesn't work that way. Relationships have a strong bond. There are people in your life you had a relationship with that even now they're not around, you still have an effect on. They've in some way affected you. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat compromised by making an alliance with Ahab. And you have to understand that Ahab was a pagan, idol-worshipping, ungodly, sinful king. Who knew he should have been living for God, but chose not to. And now Ahab comes to Jehoshaphat and says, let's go into battle together. And Jehoshaphat compromised and allowed himself to form a relationship and an alliance with Ahab and never thought to even ask God, should Ahab even be in my life? You need to understand that who you choose to have a relationship with is one of the most important decisions you'll ever have to make. Next to choosing to follow Jesus Christ and surrender your life to Him, the second greatest choice you're ever going to make is your relationships. Because the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. And there's bad company all around us. And these bad companies, they want to date you. These bad companies want to be your friend. These bad companies want to marry you. These bad companies just want to hang out. And there's only a matter of time to bad company corrupts the good you have. It doesn't flip it and say good character corrupts bad character. No, it says that the bad will influence the good. So don't you think that your good can influence a bad person. It's only a matter of time till you begin to develop their habits, their values, and you begin to think and act like them. Jehoshaphat was in a battle he should never have been because he got into a relationship he should never have been in. Jehoshaphat should have examined his character with God. But he only looked at his army. And if your choice for a relationship is how the person looks, you're going to be destroyed. I need to see what they drive. I need to see what they wear. I need to see how foreign they are. I need to see, listen, the first thing you need to see is their relationship with God. Their level of commitment to obedience. But pastor, they're a good person. The Bible says there's no one good, not even one. If you found that one good person, you're calling God a liar. Is God a liar? Then that person ain't good. He's the one lying to you. Even the devil shows his good self before he traps. Come on now. He comes in as light. Ooh, he's so handsome. He's so nice. The devil doesn't show you the horns till later. So this is why the Bible says don't be deceived. Because we think, oh, because they're a good person, that gives me the right to just be with them. Here's my other favorite lie in deceit. Well, pastor, we're supposed to win the loss. It's amazing how you turn to a little evangelist when you want to hook up with a guy or a girl. And you want to evangelize only to good-looking people. What a coincidence. 
Well, pastor, I don't want to judge. We take that out of context. Because right after that verse that says, don't judge, Jesus says, watch out. Watch out for these wolves among sheep. And he said, by their fruit, you will know them. Although God says, don't judge a person, he says, you better check out their fruit. You better expect their fruit. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts. And if you were the person you shouldn't be with, it's only a matter of time you're in a battle you shouldn't be in. And it's only a matter of time that you're asking God for help in an area you shouldn't be asking help in. All because you chose to choose what you chose. I love the silence. That's God just giving it to you. Consequences in relationships. Come on, stay with me. In relationships. Number two, there are consequences in self-centeredness. I love this because the Bible says that Jehoshaphat, chapter 18, verse 4, it says, Jehoshaphat, he's talking to Ahab, the bad king that he shouldn't even be talking to. And notice what he says, Jehoshaphat added, but first, let's find out what the Lord says. Wow, how spiritual. He wants to ask God, should I be in a relationship with this guy? You know, Jehoshaphat knew the answer. That's why he felt a need to ask God. So the king of Israel summoned all the prophets, false prophets, by the way, 400 of them that worshiped the God of Baal. So they're seeking wrong advice from the wrong people. That's why you shouldn't be with the wrong people. They're going to lead you the wrong way. Should we go to war against Ramazan and Gilead? Or should we just hold back? And they all replied, yes! Go right ahead. God will give you the victory. Because wrong people can act like godly ones. And Jehoshaphat asked. Because even then Jehoshaphat knew. No, no, that doesn't sound right. Because you know when you know you're making a wrong choice. But Jehoshaphat asked. Is there not a prophet of the Lord here? That we should ask. The same question too. And verse 7, the king of Israel replied to Jehoshaphat, there's one more man who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. Are you kidding me? But, but that's the day we're living in right now. I only want to hear people tell me I can do what I want. And I only want to hear preachings that make me feel good. And I only want to hear positivity. If it's negative, I don't want it. But we need no more men of God that are going to tell you how it is. You should thank God for me. Because that's what's going to lead you the right path. I can tell you right now, your husband, you're so good, and God has a plan for you, and you're so awesome, and you have a purpose, and you have a death. What good is that? If your sin is going to destroy your destiny and your purpose in the first place, shouldn't we talk about the sin first? But there's so much consequence in self-centeredness. I only want to hear what I want to hear. To do what I want to do. To live how I want to live. And I don't like hearing anything that's going to contradict what I want. But in this life, if you want to be blessed by God, you have to realize it's not about you anymore. And getting what you want. And when you look at Jehoshaphat, you might say that while he's spiritual, he wanted to seek God. He wanted to pray. But let me tell you why all of this was a lie. I hate to break it to you, but look at verse 3. Not 4, but verse 3. The Bible says that Ahab went up to Jehoshaphat and said, Will you go with me in this battle? 
King Ahab of Israel asked the king Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat re replied, Why? Of course! Yeah, I'll go with you. Let's go! And in verse 4, he started praying, Should I go, God? But in verse 3, he already made a decision to. See, that's what self-centered people do. They make the decision and the choice first, and then they pray about it, hoping God will bless it. And that's why you have destruction. Before he said yes, he should have first gone to God who would have told him no. See, some of you are that self-centered. The only reason you're praying to God, even though you've already made your choice, is because you're hoping God will bless your choice. But God does not bless your choice. God can only bless His choice. And you want to be holy and spiritual, and you want to say, well, I'm going to give it to the Lord, but deep down inside, you already know you've made your decision. There's so much consequence to being self-centered. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I need. And God, I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to marry them. I'm going to go with this job. I'm going to make this investment. I'm going to do this thing. And Lord, I just pray that you bless it. And then you find yourself where you don't belong. In a battle you shouldn't be in. Because you made a choice way before you even went to God. Third, not only are there consequences to relationships and consequences to a self-centered life, there's consequence to secret sin. I know, you got, oh. The consequence just don't go to public sin. There's consequence to secret sin. Verse 29, Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, we'll go into battle. Remember, we don't belong in battle, but we're going to go. The only difference is, I will what? Disguise myself. Why do you feel a need to disguise it if it's not wrong? Ah, King Ahab? If all your prophets said go because God is with you, why do you feel a need to hide it? If you're hiding it, it's because you know it's wrong. But he feels a need to disguise it because he's hoping if he hides it enough, he can get away with it. So understand that the choice you make to hide your sin will still bring consequences because you serve a God who sees all things. There are consequences to secret sin. When you do what's wrong, just because you hide it, it doesn't stop the fact that it's wrong. I'm just going to pretend. So many of you are pretending to be holy and spiritual and strong and devoted to God, but you're mocking Him because you're hiding sin in your life. And you think you're going to get away with it. But you know that God knows. And it's only a matter of time that the Bible says what's in the darkness will come to light. So there's consequences to secret sin. But see, he was mocking God. I'm just going to hide it. I'm just going to disguise it. And I know I'm going to get away with it. This battle is not going to get me. But in the end, he died. Because he thought he can hide it from God. See, Ahab fooled everyone in that battlefield. Except God. You can fool your parents. You can fool your pastor. Your church members, family, friends, whatever. But no one in the history of mankind has ever been able to fool God. Why are you the exception? Man reaps what he sows. And it might be buried underground right now, and you don't see it, but eventually that seed will break ground and come out. There are consequences to your relationships. There are consequences to being self-centered and not seeking God.
There are consequences to secret sin. Lastly, there are consequences to pride. Pride is one of those things we think it's okay to have. There are consequences to it. Pride is is what we brag about. What sin do you have pride about? Verse 33 says that randomly a soldier just shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the very king Ahab who was disguised. But notice where it hit him. The joints of the armor, meaning the part of the armor that connects, that has no protection. Tell me, church, what are the odds that you shoot a random arrow and it hits the very king in the area that's exposed? There are no coincidences with God. The Bible says he was wounded. See, Ahab had the pride to say, if I put on this armor, because remember, armor is a symbol of strength. And some of you think you're so strong that you're protected by sin. And it's never going to get me. And it's never going to wound me. But there are consequences to pride. And all of a sudden, an arrow came out of nowhere and pierced him right in between the armor, the area that's exposed. Because no matter how strong you are, there is at least one area in your life that is exposed to God and you're weakened. And that's where the arrow hit him. And he was wounded and bleeding out until he died. He thought he was strong enough because he had the armor. He thought it would never get him. He would get away with it. Until one random day, a random arrow hit him. And as he's laying there, dying, God reminded him of the consequence of his choice. Some of you think you're getting away with it now, but I wonder how many arrows God has are ready to launch. The Bible says that God's hand is stretched on the arrow. Meaning at any moment now, God will release his consequence on you. I'll close with this. Maybe you're in a battle in your life you shouldn't be in. You're battling addictions you shouldn't have. You're asking God for help in areas you shouldn't even be asking Him help for. And maybe those consequences are a result of relationships you chose to have. Maybe those consequences are a result of your self-centeredness and your desire to only do what you want and hear what you want to hear and live how you want to live and only think about you and you only pray to God to bless what you want. You're self-centered. Maybe you're in the battle right now because of secret sin. And on the outside, you pretend to be strong and spiritual and holy and righteous, but on the inside, you're battling this one or two or three habits you can't get free from. And you come to church on Sundays with a smile and Bible at hand, and everyone thinks you're so spiritual, but on the inside, there's a battle raging inside you because you're hiding your sin before God. And the reason you hide it is because in your pride, you think you're protected, and you're strong enough, and it will never get you, but it's only a matter of time till the arrow falls and wounds you. Because sin ultimately wounds. But the Bible says... That Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. That very sin that's wounding you right now wounded Jesus because he took it upon himself. 
to realize that right now, the battle that you're in with the sin that you have can be delivered in Jesus' name. Verse 31, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was in the battle he should not have been in. Fighting things he should not have been fighting. And now he's asking help in an area he shouldn't even have been asking help in. The Bible says, when the chariots and commanders saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. Imagine Jehoshaphat seeing this massive enemy come towards him. And inside he knows the reason I'm in this mess is because of my choice. Not to really seek God, but to do what I want. And there the king of Israel shouted. But Jehoshaphat, love this. He called out to the Lord. He didn't explain it. He didn't dramatize it. He just said, Lord, save me. He called out to God. Because we serve a God of compassion. So it doesn't matter who you wrongfully went into a relationship with. How self-centered you've lived your life. It doesn't matter how secret those secret sins are. If you're in a battle right now you should not even be in, you can call out to God. Because there are two kings here. And both of them did the same thing. Went into the same battlefield. Fought the same fight. But only one called out to God. So you have a choice to make. You can continue in your battle. And suffer the wound in the end. Or you can once and for all truly cry out to Jesus. Say, Lord, save me. You're not so far that God can't grab you. The Bible says, is the hand of the Lord too short to save? No matter where you're at right now, God can reach you and save you. And maybe you've made a bad choice as a man or a woman, as a parent, as a teenager, whoever you are. You've made some bad choices in your life you can never take back. But your past does not have to determine your future. Because right now, in this very present moment, God will reach you where you are. But it's up to you to say, Lord, I've made this decision. I'm in the battle I should have been. I know I was wrong, but Lord, save me. If a dog can cry out, can't you? That dog was in a place he couldn't get out. Jacob just was up there on the shelf. It's easier to get into sin than it is to get out of it, isn't it? And it wasn't hard for you to get into whatever you got into, but now it's hard for you to get out of it. And you're saying, well, pastor, I've made so many bad choices. I'm living the consequences of bad choices, bad parenting, bad and whatever. Call out to God. That dog just, I love cats. But in that moment, compassion took over. And I didn't care how he got up there, because I'm wondering how. It's impressive. Because some of you have some pretty impressive sin in your life. That even God's like, wow, that, that, you're really committed. But there came a point that that dog just looked and said, man, I, I, I can't get out of it. But he knew he could cry. And he knew, and even though Judah was telling him to jump, because the devil wants you to just, you know, give up. I just took a hold of him. And my mom was right. That was a call of distress, because I wonder how many of you are in distress right now. 
cry out to God with every head bowed and every eye closed you're in the battle of your consequence you stubbornly in your self-centeredness got into the wrong thing with the wrong people doing the wrong things and now you're fighting a fight God never wanted you to fight doing things God never called you to do you're in a battle God never intended for you to battle in and right now you're asking God for help in an area you shouldn't even ask God for help in but the good news is you can still ask God for help the arrow hasn't gotten you yet maybe it has but one king made the right choice he made many bad choices but he made one choice I don't care how many bad choices you make there's one great best choice you can ever make and that is to repent and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life which choice will you make? With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today. I want to tell you right now that Jesus loves you. He knows you better than you know yourself. There is no secret sin with God. Everything is before Him. But even then, right now, God has compassion on you. So much that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sin. The Bible says you will repent of your sin. That means to turn. And you turn to God. And you ask Jesus to forgive you and to save you. He will. It's that simple. So if you're here today, you're saying, God, I want to surrender my life to you. Lord, I'm in the battle. I'm in sin. But I know you died on the cross for my sins. And today I surrender. And I give you my life. How has your life been without Jesus? Tell me that. Because your life can be completely different with Jesus. There can be hope you never thought was there. Joy you never thought existed. And purpose you never thought could be yours. When you surrender your life to Jesus. So if that's you today, I just want you to simply put your hand up. Every head bows, every eye closed. This is just between you, me, and God right now. You put that hand up. God bless you. I see your hand there. I see your hand there. All the hands here, all across here. Just pray this with me from your heart. God bless you. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I pray now that you forgive me. For I know that you died on the cross for my sins and you took my consequence so in faith I surrender my life to you in Jesus name I'm yours amen and amen let me pray one more time for another group of people here today those that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they somehow manage to get into wrong battles. If that's you today, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. It's between you and God. But only you and God know that you're in a place you shouldn't be in. You're compromising in ways you shouldn't even have been compromising. And only you and God know now that you're suffering the consequences of your choices. Today, you can find the compassion of God. And God, the same way He turned the, the army and the enemy around and saved Jehoshaphat, I believe that even now, God has the power to turn your circumstances around. And some of you need a turning. But like Jehoshaphat, you need to start praying to God and just say, Lord, save me. So let's all stand right now. I want to pray for all these people here. Father, thank you for this sermon. Thank you for this Sunday. Father, for everyone here who's in a battle they should not be in, suffering the consequences they should never have been suffering. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, just say right now to the Lord, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. I'm in the battle right now. A battle that I brought upon myself for my rebellion and my choices. But even now, I declare that even now at this moment, God's hand is not too short to save. The Lord can turn and reverse the curse you brought upon yourself. Father, I pray in Jesus' name you will turn. Father, whatever decision they've made that was not your will, whatever choice they made out of rebellion or selfishness, 
whatever relationship they got into that was not from you. Father, whatever secret sin right now they're ashamed of and whatever pride they have to think they can get away with it, I pray that all of that dies today as they come back to you and ask you in mercy and compassion the God that you are to save them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I hope to see you guys next Sunday.